Hello and thank you for listening into Commodity Conversations. It's Olivia Agar from Mercado.com.au here, changing it up a bit this week and bringing you one of our long-form podcast episodes and we've got a really good conversation lined up today. A few weeks ago, we took a look at the fertiliser market on Mercado and focused in on where fertiliser prices are sitting globally as an indicator of what direction they should be moving here in Australia. And we got a lot of feedback on that article from our subscribers and followers wanting to know more. So we thought we'd better give the people what they want and bring in the expert. So today we're talking to Chris Lawson, who's the head of fertiliser for CRU. And of course, Andrew Whitelaw is going to be heading off the conversation discussing the fertiliser market. So I'll hand over to them now and enjoy listening to the conversation. We're just going to hit pause for a second to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Livestock Pricing. Now, market information is a big impact on your day-to-day decision-making in agriculture, and the Livestock Pricing app gives sale yard reports, direct pro- prices for processors, feedlots, and exporters. It even includes real-time pricing updates. You can filter, you can save your search, and sign up for price alerts. So ha- having that information right in your pocket is really useful and a big part of having access to all that pricing information um, readily accessible for you. So if you haven't done so already, after you've finished listening to this podcast, of course, um, go to your app store and check out the Livestock Pricing app, which is free to download. So we have uh, Chris Lawson here from CRU. Uh, He is based in London, uh, so he's currently experiencing the uh, this warm and balmy seven degree temperature where I'm uh, here in Ballarat, uh, boiling my skin alive with uh, mid 30 temperatures. So we invited Chris along to give us a, a bit of a chat about the fertilizer market. And uh, so, hi Chris, how's it going? Hi Andrew, uh, yes, thank you very much for having me along today. Um, long time listener, first time caller. So looking forward to uh, to chatting first markets with you today. So. Chris, can you give us a, a very brief intro into uh, into who you are and uh, and what your background is? Okay, so um, I'm actually born and bred uh, Australian, grew up in uh, on a dairy farm in Meningi, South Australia, but moved to London uh, around seven years ago. Um, and for the last five years, I've been working for a uh, commodities company, uh, consulting company called CRU. Um, at CRU, we're, we're covering uh, mining, metals, and fertilizer markets. So we're looking at general kind of supply and demand trends, uh, cost of production, trading prices, kind of you name it, we, we cover it um, across, I think, uh, 50 different commodities. Um, so I've, I'm uh, currently heading up the fertilizer team. Right. Oh, so we, 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 we briefly chatted uh, probably a couple of weeks ago uh, because I put up a chart on LinkedIn showing, uh, I think it was DAP prices or DAP pricing. And uh, so we, we've, we got chatting a bit on, on social media and we thought, well, let's, let's have, a, have a chat about it uh, and record it because uh, let's let everyone else know about what's happening in the market. And basically that chart came off the back of a, a, a fertilizer analysis that, that we did on Mercado.com.au which showed that in Aussie dollar terms, you know, global pricing of urea was down $64 a tonne since the start of September, and DAP was, you know, close to $200 in Aussie dollar terms since the start of the year. So 
a pretty uh, drastic fall in uh, in DAP prices. So, I guess uh, I'll I'll defer to your expert wisdom, and uh, you know why are fertilizer prices falling? Yeah, it's a it's a real mixed bag, uh, Andrew. So, on the on the DAP side in phosphate markets this year, it's been We've seen, I think we've termed it some pretty brutal um, price decreases. Uh, so thinking thinking of things from a from a kind of producer and industry margin perspective, a lot of those phosphate fertilizer producers are under a lot of uh, pressure at the moment because prices have come down so much. Um, and you know we, we've got to kind of if we take a step back and think more broadly about the drivers of fertilizer markets in terms of supply and demand. Uh, the weather uh, plays a big, big role. And uh, earlier this year, during the, the US spring planting season, uh, I think uh, Mikado would have covered this as well. It was very, very uh, wet conditions. Mm. Farmers found it very, very difficult uh, to get out onto their fields, not only plant their crops, but also put their fertilizer down. So that's, that's had a really big impact, particularly uh, on the phosphates market. Um, and, you know, we've, we've at the moment, the, the phosphate industry has a lot of inventory uh, lying around in, in the US because farmers couldn't get out uh, and put that phosphate fertilizer on um, in earlier in the year. And that kind of inventory, large inventory position in the US, as well as some other key markets such as India, has really pressured prices lower, as have, um, you know, as has poor demand in places like China. China is the largest uh, phosphate market globally. Uh, also the largest phosphate exporter. Um, so when you have lower domestic demand than the largest exporter, it means they're trying to push more out to the market. And that naturally uh, brings prices lower. Uh, and we've also had over the past uh, few years in the, in the DAP market, um, uh, a fairly large volume of capacity that's being added to the market in uh, in Morocco, and mm. Morocco has 70% of global phosphate reserves. So they've they've been on a big. Uh, the company there, OCP, have been on a big investment drive to add more capacity. Yeah, that's pressuring the market, and also in Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is supplying Australia with a lot of its fertilizer. We've also seen some uh, capacity additions there uh, that have really uh, you know hit the market this year, and that's ultimately pressured prices lower, and that's why we see. DAP prices um, coming down to the levels that they are now. We haven't seen DAP prices at this level uh, since around 2007. So that's basically pre-GFC, really. Then uh, we had that big spike before, during before the 2008. The market really exploded in 2008. <clears throat> uh, we, we're kind of back to those levels again. And, and the likes of urea, there's a big correlation between natural gas and urea. Mm -hmm. And wh which way is the natural gas market going? Yeah, urea is a, a really fascinating market. Um, it is, you know, as you say, very tightly correlated to to natural gas prices, um, and we see gas prices very, very low at the moment in uh, more expensive gas markets such as Europe. You know, those ga the gas prices here at the moment are very, very low. They're very low in the US. We've seen kind of uh, kind of surplus amount of gas hit the market this year as well. So that naturally brings the production costs lower for urea. But we haven't actually seen, again, if we, if we take a step back and we think about what urea prices have done throughout the course of the last 12 months, 
they've actually been relatively stable. Um, Urea is naturally a bit more of a volatile market. There's more of it kind of traded compared to, to DAP. There's a bit more month-on-month and week-on-week volatility in that market. But if we kind of look at the, the chart and look at the last 12 months, we're not too far away from where we were 12 months ago, really. Yeah. And you know, the, the weakness that we've seen set in over the past few weeks has been more around um, seasonal weakness. We haven't seen... Yeah, so, so if you look at if you look at the charts on, on that seasonality for urea, like I'm just looking at just now, you can see that it really is following the same pattern as, as last year, yeah. where, we, where we've seen that seasonal dip uh, yeah. during sort of yeah. Sep October. So I agree with indeed, that one. Indeed. Yeah, and, the, and going back to that, that point around natural gas. Now, the lower cost producers of urea in the Middle East, again, you know, Australia is getting a lot of its urea from the Middle East, from Qatar, from Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, the gas prices for, for those producers are, are actually fixed by the state. So they've got a relatively sticky cost position, I guess. Mm. Where, where we actually see prices being set in the urea market at the moment is actually it's actually the urea that's being produced out of China. And again, China's supplying both phosphates and urea into Australia. So one thing that we watch very, very closely when we're thinking about urea prices is what is the cost of production in China. And what's what's really interesting about China is they're not actually producing their urea, well, a majority of their urea through natural gas. They're actually producing it by burning coal. Um, so we're actually tracking coal prices very closely to, to stipulate what um, you know our, our outlook for urea prices is going to be, um, so I think that's a that's a really interesting kind of thing about the urea market that China is actually the what we call the marginal producer, the the price setter in the market, and their their cost floor is really dictated by what coal prices are doing. Right, that's interesting. I never realised that. So every day is a school day. <laughs> so, which I imagine making fertilizer from or urea from coal is probably not exactly the most environmentally friendly methodology either. Um, it, it certainly isn't. And, and again, if we look back over the last five years, or we have, if we look back even further than that, China built up um, its fertilizer production capacity, again, a, across both uh, nitrogen and phosphate fertilizers very quickly over kind of the, the year, the, 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 the noughties, I guess you would call it. We saw capacity build up very, very quickly there. And you know, there's now a lot of overcapacity, and we've actually seen a lot of uh, capacity rationalisation in China over the past five years or so. Uh, and a big part of that is because of the, uh, I guess, the polluting effects of some of those uh, gas, uh, sorry, uh, coal-fired uh, nitrogen facilities. Um, and you know, there's there's lots of concern around air pollution and things like that. So we actually, again, a really interesting thing about the urea market is when there's a big um, event in China, some kind of uh, big government celebration, you know, one of the weekly holidays, they'll actually ask the, uh, a lot of the urea production facilities around highly populated areas to, to shut down for a number of weeks. So it can actually have some, some pretty significant impacts on short-term supply and demand balances. <laughs> the Chinese tiger. So, so that's a, a good background and it gives us I reckon a lot of our listeners will, will have learned, learned a lot, but I definitely have learned a lot there. So here's, here's some tricky questions for you. Jump straight into it. So we're coming to the point of time when uh, producers will be looking at uh, 
the fertilizer that they buy for the coming season. That we start to make those decisions, and we've seen we've seen prices fallen. Uh, you know what? What do we think, or where do you think that we'll see fertilizer go during the next year? Okay, so I think if if we start some on on urea, um, we see urea prices being continuing at their kind of current trend of weakness uh, over uh, the course of you know, the rest of 2019 and you know, heading into to 2020. But we will see that seasonal, typical seasonal recovery start to to be priced into the market um, around uh, January, February. Um, so we're not in anticipating this you know, current level of declines really to to continue for for much longer than kind of two to three months. Um, and then you know we have prices throughout the course of, of 2020 uh, for urea tracking modestly higher. Um, it is still fundamentally an oversupplied market and you know it's the the prices are really going to be dependent on you know a number of different factors you know what is demand in those key markets such as the US going to be like we're anticipating relatively good demand there at the moment um, and you know again going back to that point around uh, production costs and what what's happening in China you know, that's another key thing as well another thing that would be really important for just a, a good high level to watch out for is is what's happening in India. India has been another, uh, India again is a huge importer of all fertilizers, particularly urea. Their appetite for urea has been particularly strong this year and that's that's really helped to, to provide some stability in pricing in that market. So that's another kind of thing to be watching out for in terms of um, the urea market, really watching out for uh, what's happening in China and also demand out of key markets such as, as India and the US. But, we do see, uh, as kind of Australian uh, farmers come into their main buying season um, for urea, we do see prices starting to, to track slightly higher. Uh, but in terms of those, the, the importers of, of urea into the Australian market, you know, they'll be starting to do their buying over the next couple of months, really. Um, on the on the phosphate side, yep. um, we certainly have seen, haven't seen that level of uh, stability over the past 12 months. It's been a, a constant decline. Um, well, it hasn't been much volatility because it's only been one direction. It's been just week after week we've continually assessed our, our prices lower. Um, much to, we, we had expected some stability to at least come in kind of earlier this year, but that has not been the case at all. If you actually look um, at, if you actually look at DAP and you look at, pork prices in China yeah they basically have a negative correlation between the two of them this year yeah, yeah we're, we're, exactly, one's exactly. gone one direction and uh, well pigs have gone one direction up the way and DAP's gone the yeah. opposite way so it's quite yeah. interesting to chart yeah. that one yeah and and we've, we've actually got a situation now Andrew where a lot of the producers of, of phosphate fertilizers in China are you know they're they're selling well below their cost of production, so their margins are, are well into negative territory at the moment. And you know the industry can only really sustain that for so long. Um, China kind of defies the laws of uh, typical commodities economics, I guess, and they can often they're often quite resilient when uh, selling at selling at negative margins. They can do it for a lot longer than what we often anticipate as analysts. So. Yeah, that's that's really a key question to for us over the next 12 months is when are we going to see China really pull back from the market and you know start to rationalize some of their capacity 
it is you know the key key question um, but we 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 continue to see uh, phosphate fertilizer prices declining over the next two to three months um, and then you know starting a, a very very modest recovery uh, as of kind of February March um, next year when when we're definitely not anticipating a, a sharp uptick in in phosphate prices for, for 2020 so again when farmers go to, to their um, retailers, um, I think they can they should be asking and expecting for um, some significantly lower DAP or, or MAP prices um, for their 2020 cropping season. Yeah, because that, that that's that comes on to the I guess the next the next point I was wanting to raise with you. Uh, we we've always struggled in Australia to actually get a handle on what the actual local price. All fertilizers is from the retailers. It's not like, like I spend a lot of time looking at grain prices, and it's pretty transparent. We can we can go on to uh, the internet and find out the grain price at any site in Australia without having to go behind a password or, or having to phone someone. But in in Australia, when it comes to fertilizer, it's pretty hard to actually get what the local price is. And yeah. and anecdotally, I have seen some uh, some quotes for. Uh, for like the DEP in the last week, that were at the, basically the same levels as this time last year, which you know you sort of start to think, well, geez, that's you know the market globally has has fallen considerably, but the actual local market here is still uh, mm-hmm. at similar levels. So, so I guess the question is like, do you guys uh, you live and breathe fertilizer? Do you get much transparency into Australian prices, and and do you think we're actually likely to see you know these falls in fertilizer, you know, being reflected locally uh, for for Australian farmers. Yeah, I, I think we, you know, farmers should be expecting some of those um, declines to be, you know, pri- that, that we've seen in the international market to to really come through from to that retail level. Um, you know, Australia is for the most part still predominantly supplied by international markets. Uh, you know, when it comes to urea and, and DAP. Intertech Pivot is the only um, domestic producer of that. They've got relatively high uh, production costs when we look at a, a mm. global cost curve, but you know they're still at the mercy of these um, international markets. But their their kind of total supply to to the whole Australian market is actually less than a quarter. So you're still very 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 much dictated uh, by what's happening in those. Um, international markets. And I think, you know, that's, we don't have a great deal of transparency into what's happening at that kind of retail level or, or, or what we call an inland level in yep. Australia. We see, uh, you know, what product is being traded into Australia, right? So we were looking at both sales from FOB from the, the kind of Middle East and, and China. And, you know, we're tracking that to see, you know, to, to measure those international benchmarks. Uh, we're not so much seeing what it's being sold at from a from a kind of retail level, but you know if you factor you know what those international prices are doing, um, what freight rates are doing globally, and also what the the Aussie dollar is doing, you can come up with some pretty uh, kind of back of the envelope calculations that would suggest where things um, should be at that kind of retail level and, and what Australia's bringing fertilizer in at. And that's what we've started to be doing at a, at a sort of a basic level is looking, you know, looking at what roughly the freight is, you know, converted to Aussie yeah. dollar, but also looking at some of the um, the pricing that we get from 
from individual producers. So we're looking to get that information from producers. And then we can start to work out, well, what is the actual basis between these international markets and uh, and the Australian price? And if we can do that historically, that should hopefully give us, you know, at least a little bit better, better insight. But uh, so I guess you've covered it all pretty good. And, you know, I've learned a lot. But you got any other messages for, for Australian farmers when it comes to fertilizer? What they should be thinking about? Yeah, I think just really keeping keeping an eye on what those um, global markets are doing is 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 really key. Um, and again, you know, part of our job at CLU is trying trying to increase the the transparency in prices and, and what's happening in in international market uh, dynamics. Um, you know, we see lots of different trends evolving in in fertilizer consumption um, throughout the world. I would say that you know. Australian farmers, when we kind of benchmark them globally, are you know some of the most efficient and and savvy users of, of fertilizer, and you know we we see a bit more appetite for the use of fertilizer as well um, within Australia as people you know as as farmers really try and drive their farming systems a bit harder and really maximise the yields. Um, you know we do generally see some some very efficient use of fertilizer uh, in Australia, but also there is a, a gradually kind of rising trend there. Um, and, you know, as uh, if we look at some other key developing, uh, well, developed markets such as uh, the US and Europe, there is some uh, increasing, I guess, regulatory um, burdens uh, coming on different, farm, on, on different farming areas um, for the, the use of fertilizer and really tracking Runoff of both nitrogen and phosphates. You know, I think that that is something that could potentially uh, be factored into the Australian market more and more in the future. I think we're starting to see that in certain certain areas. I was in Australia for a conference a, a few months ago, and that was you know, one of the key topics of conversation: is some of those regulatory effects and you know really tracking the the use of fertilizer and the timing of that use uh, is 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 super important i think that's something that farmers in australia should be uh really uh wary of in the future around some of those regulatory uh, requirements that might come in the future yeah there needs to be we've spoken a bit in the past about regulation and uh it just has to be a common sense approach and i think that's where we've we've got to allow for for development of the industry but whilst you know, keeping uh, the rest of society on board. Well, exactly. I think that covers it all, Chris. Uh, thanks for taking the time out. I think it was, was seven o'clock in the morning for you and six o'clock in the evening here. So thanks for taking the time out to have a chat with us. Uh, that was really interesting. And uh, let's see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll get some feedback for, for you from, uh, from farmers and we'll see if... Uh, if the fertilizer price has dropped in the next couple of months. We'll see if it is getting reflected. We'll provide some of that transparency back to you. So, uh, so thanks for- Thank you very much for having me on. Well, that just about wraps up today's episode. Thank you again for Chris and Andrew for bringing us that conversation. And we really hope you learned something out of it today and are taking a look at the prices you're paying for fertilizer here. Now, once again, uh, always be sure to subscribe to us on our podcast and online at, to our market analysis at mercado.com.au. Feel free to get in touch with us with your comments and feedback on the episode or some um, suggestions for future podcasts. All right, until next time, um, have a good week.